Hey everybody, and welcome to the 100 Foot Jesus Podcast, episode 41. Matt Hafer here, your host. Um, so before we get into everything we're going to do today, I want to give a big thank you to our 100 Foot Jesus audience for this podcast. Guys, you have done something very important uh, for us. This thing's been going on. We're approaching a year here in a little while. And um, our audience, according to all of our analytics from the good people at Anchor, um, has doubled. And I and I don't mean like as far as listens. I mean as far as they, they calculate regular audience. We have more than doubled in the last month as an audience of regular listeners who subscribe and listen all the time. And I think that is totally due to you guys for getting the word out, re- recommending different uh, episodes to people that deal with different stuff. Today may be one of those episodes. It may not. Um, today's episode is, well, it comes from a conversation that I had with one of my kids uh, recently. And um, yeah, this may be one of my hate mail episodes. Out of the 42, because we have a bonus episode um, episode that we're going to end up with at the end of the day, I would think that we have about seven pretty big hate mail episodes, which means just, you know, I get a lot of pushback and through texting of people I know or messages on the 100 Foot Jesus um, Facebook page or Instagram DMs, that kind of stuff, people just being upset with stuff. Today may be one of those. It might be. Maybe. We'll see. So, um, what I'm going to share with you guys today may seem political to some of you, but it really isn't intended to be political. Um, the problem is, guys, Let's we typically, in our society, we take symptoms and then we diagnose them with problems. Right? We take that. that the illness is the symptom. Um, we're divided as a nation. Okay, we're, we're very divided as a nation. We can make everything political in our country, can't we? I mean, if you tell me what you believe on climate change, I pretty much know which side of the aisle you vote on. If you tell me what you think about gun control, I pretty much can tell you what side of the aisle you vote on. If you tell me what you think about racial tension, not racism, racial tension, I can pretty much tell you what side of the aisle you vote on. If you tell me what you think about abortion, I can pretty much tell you what side of the aisle you vote on. If you tell me what you think about big government, small government, I can pretty much tell you what side of the aisle you vote on. Um, Immigration, I can pretty much tell you what side of the aisle you vote on. Are you guys catching a trend here? And by the way, you can tell me that too. Like these are all answers that for the most part, we have some very young listeners around here too. But those of you guys who follow the news much, you're not, I, I'm not like Nostradamus over here knowing what side of the aisle you vote on based upon your views on these things. We can make anything political in our country. And decently often, I get accused of making things political on this show when I'm guessing, I hope, that by you listening to this, you don't even know which political party I vote on. Like some of you guys, you think, well, he's a Christian, so he's obviously Republican. And to that, I'd say that's ridiculous. Because obviously, not you You don't have to be a Republican to be a Christian, and you don't have to be a Christian to be a Republican. Am I making sense to you guys right now? I hope I am. But the truth of the matter is, guys, here's the truth of the matter. We can make anything political. And 
we can make anything a division within our country. Anything. I was having a conversation with one of my kids the other day, and this idea, and this is a this is um, a stance I've long held, but this idea of basically, Dad, <laughs> why is there so much ugliness in the world? And I was like, Well, what do you mean? And 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 this child of mine was like, Well. Why is it that when I get out of elementary school in the sixth grade, I run the risk of bullying on the bus in schools, in our, in our school system? Why is it, Dad, that, that um, there's certain language, I don't mean like um, dialect and thing, I mean certain words that will be used to a kid in junior high that wasn't in elementary school and it becomes the new normal? Why is it, Dad, that... that girls get all these body image issues from culture. Let's talk about body image issues for just a second. And there's a slow build to what this, this episode's about today, if you guys haven't noticed, okay? Um, the, the show notes provided do this. Um, so, have you noticed, guys, that the average size, you can Google this later if you want to, I mean, for a woman, is basically plus size. Like, have you guys noticed that? In the United States, by the way, I'm not talking other nations because they got their own thing, but we know us, right? Even though we have lots of foreign listeners, but for the most part, it's the United States folks. That's I know what I know, okay? Um, we call it plus size, right? If you're like a whatever size, I'm not going to say what they are because I don't really know, but that's plus size. So it gives women body image issues, right? If you, if you scroll through your Pinterest ladies and you see the ladies fashion things, a lot of the women aren't your size. The size Marilyn Monroe was back in the day. Today, people would say every Hollywood act, every Hollywood producer would say, you need to lose some weight. Back then, she was the hottest of hot, right? Men, we don't really have a plus size section, do we? We have big and tall, but typically, what's that for though, right? Big and tall is typically made out for like very tall men. Not necessarily big. Women get labeled plus size once they get to average American size. It's society saying, you don't look great. Your body image isn't correct. What's the subject of racism about, you guys? What, what, what's the subject of racism about? When we boil it down to what it is, when we really sit there, let's define what racism is and isn't. It's telling someone that they're not actually a person. I mean, that's what it is, isn't it? Like, you aren't actually a human being like me. Like, you you say, I have DNA, I have a family lineage, and my family lineage matters. Even if my family tree might be a little jacked up, it's better than yours because you're not actually a person. So that's what racism and tension like that becomes. It's saying, oh, you look like this. Your, your skin's this color. Your eyes are this color. Your nose is this big. Your, your lips are shaped this certain way. You have this certain dialect about your, your vocal cadence. You're not a person now. And that's, that's across the board a bit, isn't it? I mean, you take... Um, I'm Southern, right? You don't hear my Southern accent right now, though, do you? But I used to have more of one. And have you noticed, if somebody talks like this, and uh, this is a little bit right here. By the way, I'm doing an impression right now. My wife, when she hears this, will hate this episode. But um, 
But when I talk like this, I'm more like a Southern gentleman. But when I talk like this, I'm more hick and hillbilly. Now, has anyone ever done that sort of impression accent and acted like that's an intelligent person? Probably not. I've known college professors with more degrees than Fahrenheit that have an accent like that. But academically, they can't. Why? Because we judge you completely and totally as you're less of a person if you have that. What's the divide between rich and poor, right? I mean, a big problem in our society today is we have the rise of communism in our country. Oh, geez, okay. I just said that, and some of you guys got totally triggered when I said we have the rise of communism in our country. But we, get, but we do. I mean, you have to look at that. Or socialism. We have the rise of socialism in our country. And, and the big reason, if you really sit down and talk to a person that believes in communism, socialism, in essence, I don't think... They're, they're, like, if you're against those things, which I am, by the way, wholeheartedly, but if you are, you're against them because you think it's a very cruel thing to do to people because you think it creates poverty, it creates world hunger and things like that. If you if you believe that, and that's the stance I'm on, if you disagree with me, that's dope, whatever, it's fine, I'm not going to argue with you. But if you see that, it's because you think, well, we need socialism, we need communism, we need things like that. Because we have such a big divide between the haves and have-nots, and we need to share the wealth among people. That if you have a lot, you should give to those who don't. And not just individuals either, is it? As the church commands, I am supposed to help my neighbor, but we believe the government's supposed to help. So we believe in more social aid. We believe in more welfare system, things like that. I'm from a, I'm from a, a hometown, guys, that has been crippled by the welfare system. Because you have generations of people that were raised under welfare with parents that don't work, but they get a side hustle, which is typically selling drugs. I'm not trying to offend my hometown here, but you guys know our issues, right? So you have income you don't report because the government provides income for you. And then you have more kids, you get more aid, things like that. You're in poverty. And then when the children graduate, this is just my experience in a town like this, they also get on government aid and things like that because your goal is what your parents did typically, not always. So you're under government aid. And then we have this divide between the rich, rich and the poor, poor. The problem with that divide is, though, you see people as less of a person. That, oh, you're you're poor. Well, you're not like us. When I was in school, it was like that. I had a starter jacket. You guys remember back in the day, we had starter jackets. <laughs> you know, I had a cool Charlotte Hornets one, you know, whatever you may have had. Like an Oakland Raiders one was the coolest, right? But, you know, who knows? But there was a divide because you are less than if you don't have a starter jacket. Or Jordans, when Jordans came out. Try bringing some British Knights to school the same week the Jordans came out, you were less of a person. You were made fun of. You're not cool like we are because I have Jordans, you have British Knights. Like that's how culture worked. From a very young age, we are treated as less than a person. Last picked in the game, right? Um, last one picked to dance with a girl or a boy at the dance. You're less than, so you're less than a person. We see people as less than people. You ever notice that Horrific acts happen all over the world, in the Middle East, and in and, and Asia, and, and places like that. All the terrorist attacks in London, and we could give a rip. Because those people, they don't live here, so they're less than. There's this movie called Sahara with um, Matthew McConaughey, which you, it's 
I guess it's entertaining, but it's not a great movie. But there's this moment where they talk about, well, the world, that this country we're in is being destroyed. And the Americans in the story, they're standing there. They're like, oh, man, that's too bad. And they show, but it's going to hit the American shores in a couple of days. And they freak out because that's home. That's where actual people live in our mind. Now, you read the book of Philippians and it says, consider others better than yourself, right? But where does this line of thinking stem from? is the question, right? Where do we get that people are less than people if they're different than me, if they vote different than me, if they have a different race than me, um, if they have a different economic class than me, if they're from a part of a different part of the country we feel, we feel is more uneducated, um, wherever it may be, geography, whatever it is, where do we get this idea that we're less than? Here's what I believe. There's a Christian doctrine that all of us truly, I would hope, believe in the church. It's called the Imago Dei. And the Imago Dei says, you are made in the image of God. We're made in his image. That's what the Imago Dei is. Well, the Imago Dei says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then, then he created all the stuff, right? The birds, the sea, all that kind of stuff, you know, we know about. On the sixth day, he created man. And he said it was, it was, he said it was very good. Before that, everything was good. The, the mankind was very good. And it says, let us create him. It's the Trinity talking to itself of God. Um, and it says, let us make man in our own image. We are made in the image of God. Philippians, right? You read later in Philippians, many, many, many years later, um, it says that you are God's masterpiece, called and prepared and chosen to do wonderful things God has placed before you. You were called his masterpiece. Not his whoopsie-daisy, how'd that happen, but his masterpiece, creating his image. God is the creator. You read in the book of Psalms, many years before Philippians, right, in Scripture, and it says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It says we were knit together in our mother's womb. We are no accident. We are on purpose. We're made for much more than we believe. Scripture over and over again does not hide the fact that you are a creation by an author, by a creator, on purpose, for a purpose. That's the buzzwords we like to say. But we don't always hear that. In our school system, and this is the part where I'm going to get all the hate mail. <laughs> Here we go. You guys ready? All right. Let's roll. Um, in our school systems. You are told you are an accident. You evolved from an amoeba. You evolved from stardust. Um, you evolved from a fish, uh, a monkey, and you are an animal. Just the same of an animal as the cockroach scurrying across the road. <laughs> Just the same of the animal of the mouse that if you stepped on, you wouldn't even remember it later on that day. Well, maybe some of you would. Um, you're an animal just like the housefly that can live 24 hours. You're an animal. And animals do what animals do. Animals will steal what they want to get it, right? I love my dog, but I, if I'm eating a piece of chicken, my dog will sit next to me, give me the little, the little fancy eyes, and then bite it right out of my hand and then run away with it. That's what a dog will do. You are an animal. So society that tells you from a very young age in the American education system, you're an animal. There's nothing special about you. Be moral as long as you're doing the morals that are currently popular in culture. 
Like, guys, I'm not trying to be like a prude or like a huge conservative here, but let's be honest. What we consider moral today is a very different set of standards as we did 15 years ago. I don't have to mention what those things are, but they're very different. Now take 15 years before that, and that was a different set of morals. And by the way, when I say that, that's for good or bad, right? Because before that, talk about racism. It was a popular theory that if you weren't the whitey white of white, you weren't necessarily a person. You couldn't vote at that time. You couldn't have any state rights. You couldn't own things. Like, it's insane how ignorant society was based on what we considered morals. Some of you would say the morals are decaying even more now just in separate areas. Some of you would see that. You'd see all the ugliness in the world. But the, but the people you count on consider you just an animal. Does it happen at a young age? Absolutely. There's a man named uh, <laughs> Bill Nye. Everybody know Bill Nye the science guy. Some of you guys are singing the song in your head right now. Bill Nye is an atheist. Bill Nye has debated a man named Ken Ham from the Creation Museum a few uh, two times. Um, if you're unobjective going into it, one, I would say Ken Ham didn't do very good in that debate. But boy, was Bill Nye embarrassing at proving his atheist agenda. I mean, he was horrific. I don't think Ken Ham did a good job proving creation either, but he wasn't half as bad as Bill Nye. Now, why did Bill Nye not do a great job of proving his atheist agenda? Well, because he doesn't really know his own points, right? I mean, he, Bill Nye is like an, an engineer. He's not a scientist. Bill Nye got his start in um, <laughs> stand-up comedy, uh, not being a scientist, but for your children, He's the trusted voice. And then as you get older, he's being very adamant about don't believe in God. That's embarrassing that he tells your children, you are an animal. When millages and different levies pass in your community for schools, what's the first thing that parents have an outcry to get for those schools? Is it new books and stuff? Some of them. Is it air conditioning for schools? Praise God. Some of them. It's security, because we worry about shootings, active shooters. We all talk about active shooters in businesses these days, don't we? But when things like that happens, the school system really shouldn't be surprised, because they've been teaching your children for years. You're an animal. You're no different than a wolf. And when people come in to hurt you and take you what you have, that's logical, isn't it? Because you're an animal. You're not created on purpose with a purpose. You are not fearfully and wonderfully made. You are not special. Before you were born, you weren't known by anybody until you were born. And then very few people knew you. You have no future. Your future is random. Our, our children are being brought up in a process that we replace the logic of God with ridiculous things like the universe. Watch TV lately. Instead of saying, you know, God ordained or, or the Lord's will, we say things like, well, that's what the universe wants. The universe put us together. The universe. The universe. Like, we're so defiant of who God is, we use words like the universe. I'm a young earth creationist, by the way, and some of you guys laughed out loud when you heard that. And that's fine. And by the way, old earth creationist, I totally get you too. If you think it's billions of years, let's go. That's, that's all good. But 
it's funny just how easily accepted in the school system it is that, well, the Earth's billions of years old, and that's why. And if you have a creationist, like a smart creationist, say, okay, but what about this, this, and this? You got all those things wrong. By the way, I'm not going to debate those on this episode. Although I do have a really good guest I'm going to have sometime that will for you. <laughs> but when they ask all those questions, the person can't answer the, those questions because they've just been told, well, God couldn't have created this. It's all by accident. This little thing turned into a cell eventually, turned into this, this, and this, and all of a sudden we got a universe, and it's all by accident. It's not a big deal, and no one could have designed any of this. It's just whatever, because you are an animal. So if we're animals, if we tell people they're animals, it's really not that surprising that we would take someone who looks different than us and say, you're not as good as me because I want to get what I get. If we're really animals, it's not surprising that you're going to get bullied. Because that's what animals do. If we're really animals, why do we have laws? Where do laws come from? I don't believe any of that. The truth of the matter is, and I say the truth of the matter, not my truth, but the truth of the matter, is that you are creating God's image. God is this artist. He's this painter. This is how it was explained to me long ago. Okay, God in the Imago Day. God is this artist. He's this painter. And, and so, you know, as a painter, you use certain colors for certain things and things like that. When God created all of us people, because we're created different than everybody else. But when God created all of us people, he used different parts of his personality. You know someone who's hilarious? Yeah, God's hilarious. You know someone who's insanely generous? God's insanely generous. At our best, when we are showing the fruit of the Spirit, we are just giving little pieces of the artist who created us. Because the world is beautiful. The question that's been asked over the years by different theologians are, is this world, is this world a masterpiece created by us with God's fingerprints all over it? Or is this world God's masterpiece created by God and we smudge the fingerprints on it every once in a while? This is God's world. He created it. He did it on purpose, for a purpose. He is the designer. Now, let me speak to those who I may have offended today. If you're a public school teacher and you're, you're upset because you feel like I just said that you tell your students that they're animals, um, I'm not saying that. I was led to Christ by a, by a public school teacher who spoke the truth of the gospel into my life when I needed it so desperately. Her name's Rhonda Mays. She was a music teacher, actually. And she just freely spoke the gospel to me. I had several teachers. In fact, all of my teachers growing up at some point talked about Jesus to me. I didn't have that teacher. Like, I had a lot of Christian teachers. When I say all, not like subs and things like that. But once I got in high school, I had a lot of Christian teachers who would speak the truth of the gospel to me. I had a science teacher who, when she taught creation evolution, she would have you give an option on both. She would, she would give you an option on both to write a paper on both. And her direction in my paper ultimately led to me understanding that God is the creator. So I am not hating on teachers here, but I'm hating on a philosophy of a culture that says God has no authority in this earth. It's all up to us. We're in charge. It's, this is our dominion. God can stay out of my business. It's rude to talk about God, whatever. So what is the cause of all of the divide and the hate in our country? 
Now, many of you will, you're, you're driving in your car right now, or you're going for a run and you got your headphones in and you're yelling, sin, just say sin. And by the way, you are right. But it's also a worldview. It's a worldview that says this is all an accident. My thoughts and ideas have no ramifications. It doesn't matter. But when in fact you are so, so wrong when you say that, no, your thoughts and actions do matter. And you have a God who loves you so much. He loves you so much that he died for you. He loves you so much that he called you out of all this nastiness of a world. And he wants to give you eyes to see what this world really is. And this world is full of sin and it's full of people who desperately need adopted by God. Maybe your enemies aren't just enemies. Maybe they are orphans that have been searching for their real father for years. And maybe God's going to use you to introduce you to that father. And that father is God. Maybe. Well, guys, that was episode 41 of the 100 Foot Jesus podcast. If you guys would, leave us a uh, review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts if you can. I know Spotify doesn't do it, but other places we're on do. We're on a whole lot of platforms, and we would really appreciate that. Um, you can like and share this post on social media if you want to help grow the audience. But anyway, I love you guys, and I appreciate you listening, um, and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.